Hey guys, this is Carter and Mo. This is the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, episode number 181. And in this episode, we're going to talk about building up skill stacks. What does that mean? How does it apply to jiu-jitsu? And what do you do when the numbers lie? Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the jiu-jitsu of life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. All right, we're starting. There we go. <laughs> um, man, we, we had some good ideas yesterday. And for once, we wrote them down because we've been notorious <laughs> for like, yeah, it's a great idea. We should talk about that. And then we both forget. Um, it's probably because we just punch each other in the head after we come up with the idea. No probably about it. That's exactly, well, at least for me, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because we start every Sunday, you know, we have these great ideas after training. Yeah. And then we start every Sunday morning with the same, you know, question. What are we going to talk about yeah. today? Yeah. It's like, yeah. man, we have like 10 good ideas, but but in the, in the span of like 15 hours, we have forgotten them. So I, I know yeah. for sure that I've lost some brain cells. And uh, <laughs> as I get older... It's important yeah. to write things down. It yeah. is. It is. It's yeah. That's one of the things that I, I um, one of my leaps into adulthood, I guess, is to say, is to understand that it's better to sort of underestimate yourself and, and just sort of have a a backup plan for that than to overestimate your skills in certain things. And specifically for me, this is memory, because when I was young, it would be, oh, I'll just remember. And sometimes I would and sometimes I would. As an adult, I just assume that I have a terrible memory. So I write everything down. And I just sort of decide, like, if I don't write it down, it's like it never happened. So I really love that. What you, what, I really love that. and Because and it, it kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today. But I'll tell you, I went through a little phase as I became an entrepreneur. Yeah. I went through this phase early on as an entrepreneur where I was like, school – all school did for me is put me in debt. That was the stupidest thing that I've ever done. And right. for a while, I like anyone I could talk to that would listen, I was like, don't go to college. Yeah. College is a waste of time. Yeah. And then uh, I kind of circled back on this. And, I'll, and mm -hmm. I'll tell you why. Because what, what, while going to the university didn't teach me how to make money, right? Yeah. What it did teach me is kind of how to learn. Right. Yeah. It taught yeah. it taught me and it taught me what are the things that what are the techniques for me that are successful in order for me to retain information. Yeah. There's a lot of people. I mean, one of the biggest things when you go from high school to college is people aren't good note takers and you got to yeah. be a good note taker. I mean, back in our day, you know, we didn't have all the technology uh, yeah. that's available now. Yeah. Uh, so you had to be a good note taker. And if you didn't know how to organize your notes, you didn't know how to take notes then it was hard for you to retain all that information. Yep. Also, how to study, yep. you know, um, you know, how to read, you know, now, I'm not talking about like learning the English language, but yeah. just, you know, um, being consistent. Like there were so many times where I would, I saw a lot of the other students that they would, you know, break things down into chunks of information and then kind of write out notes to the side, right? And then they'd be able to go back and link up all the information and kind of connect the dots. 
Yeah. Where I was me, I was so inefficient. I would read all the way through, never take any notes on anything. And then I'd be like, I don't get any of this. And I'd have to read it all again and then read yeah. it all again. And it was just very, very inefficient. And, and by the time it was time to take the exam, you know, I was coming down to the wire. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But you don't know what you don't know, right? Like yeah. I had to I had to try out all these different tactics. Yeah. And now as I'm in my 40s, early 40s. That's true. Um, uh, I kind of have an idea of what works for me and what doesn't. And I just focus on doing those things. Yeah. And it was real interesting because yesterday when you came to train, we usually talk a little bit about business before we hit the mat as we're warming up. Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, right now you're starting a new phase of your career where you're a real estate developer, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but you were talking about this deal to me, but when, when you were talking about this deal, it reminded me so much of when we were talking about deals back in the day when you were flipping mobile homes or flipping a house. Yeah. And it was yeah. weird to see, not weird, but it was interesting to see how you were using these old skills mm-hmm. and applying them into the phase of your career now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so the deal you're talking about specifically, um, I think we'll have this thing under contract by tomorrow. That'd be my guess. And it was funny because it was kind of a good example of the importance of really learning a market and the importance of sometimes being consistent and being present in something pays off dividends when you don't know exactly how or why it will. And it's not always the obvious thing. And what I mean by that is, you know, when they, t- when you talk about being consistent with working out, like somebody, somebody wants to get in better shape. The first thing is finding something that you can be consistent at. And then just the act of consistency alone will eventually lead to the results you want, but it may not be the way you think it is. Cause this idea of like, you know, there's that old Greek story about the guy who picks up the cow or the calf and every day it's a little bit bigger. So he gets stronger and eventually it's a cow and he's lifting up a cow that doesn't work. I mean, first of all, where are you going to find a, a calf like that? And secondly, it's just, it's just impractical. And, and this idea that you're just going to work out and get stronger and stronger, mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. Like you, you don't see guys in the, in the gym who are lifting 180 pounds one year and two years later, they're bench pressing 500 pounds. Rarely happens. Um, but if you are consistent, you will get a lot of benefits you may not realize, you may not set out for, but those benefits will, will get there. So with this deal, I've been driving these areas a lot and I've been kind of looking and checking on my current job deals and, and looking for other ones. And I had one that I was interested in, one particular office deal. And because I've been driving around, I kept seeing this other office park that was close by. And finally, I was like, you know, I want to see, I want to look at this one and compare it to the one that I'm interested in. And I go onto a side street and on the side street, there's a for sale sign pointed to the office park. And I go to the park and there is one office building that's for sale. I later realized this thing wasn't being marketed well. It wasn't being marketed in all the normal <coughs> So it was kind of like the deal, you know, any sort of deal you'd find with a mobile home. Maybe you find a mobile home for sale, but it would just have a sign. Well, they're not putting it in the newspaper. They're not putting it on Craigslist, not putting it anywhere. Or maybe you find a house that's for sale, but it's not on anything. 
This was essentially the equivalent of that because it was for sale. It was online, but it wasn't in any of the normal places that somebody looking for a commercial building would be looking. And for, for. someone that's a noob, right? Like if you're, let's take the mobile home example again. Sure, sure. And you're driving through and you see a for sale by owner sign, but it's not listed anywhere else. Yeah. Why is this a good thing? It's a good thing because they're very, they're limiting their particular audience and they're limiting the marketing that they're doing for that audience. So why that's good for you is that finding an undervalued asset can be for a lot of different reasons. And one of them can be the asset is just simply not being marketed correctly. I mean, it's literally the matter of you could find a mobile home that's in good condition, but if they only have a sign up, all you might have to do is buy that home or even get it under contract and then put it online. And you might be able to increase the value just from there, not from doing any work, but just from changing the marketing. So what, it's, what, I'll, what I'll also say about that is just from the mobile home perspective, I've noticed that when I've been driving through, when I, when I used to drive through these mobile homes and, and look for these for sale by owner signs, one of the, I knew that usually this would be a very good deal if they hadn't marketed anywhere else. Simply yes. because I knew that there was going to be less people making offers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's, you know, I think one of the things that you're talking about is, is understanding what is something that's undervalued. And, and, and this comes from experience of learning, well, you know, how do I add value to something? And one of the ways is by increasing the marketing. And this can be, you see this all the time in, you know, different companies that they get taken over by new management, or I saw this a lot in apartment buildings when the first thing they would do is, okay, we're gonna take over the management, we're gonna up the marketing, we're gonna put the, the apartments available on different apartment sites and things like that. And that alone, a lot of times would, you know, get them more renters, get them higher rent, whatever it might be. Um, so using that experience and seeing that in a commercial property, I'm like, well, why wouldn't this apply to an office building the same way it would apply to a house, a mobile home, an apartment building, or whatever. Um, and I think it would. I think that we're going to get a good deal on this simply because the person selling it has not done a good job marketing it, where they're putting it. And then the other thing is the visual. The pictures for the property look terrible. When you see the property in person, it looks really good. It does not look good in the pictures that they've used. So those two things alone even though people think it doesn't matter in something like commercial property, oh, it's, it's strictly by the numbers and it's, you know, business isn't going to care how it looks because they're going to redo it anyway. A business is run by people. And the more you get into business, the more you realize that every business is the, this is the people business. And because of that, um, <laughs> then uh, my dog agrees with me, he's barking. Um, you know, because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the door, but I got my mobile mic, so, so bear with me. Um, when you realize that every business is the people business and every business is about learning how to market better, it doesn't really matter what it is. There's still that human factor. There's still that visual factor. And even if somebody's looking for something as boring as an office, still when you see something look better and look more appealing to the eye and, and a little bit more modern, that matters. Even if people say it doesn't, it does. So um, I'm excited to kind of put that to the test on something new, but you're right. I mean, it is just building up on the old skills that I have, which is looking for deals, finding something that's undervalued, figuring out how to add value to it. It's just a different asset than I normally deal with, but I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that 
we've got ourselves a good deal um, on this one. So, and it was it was cool that it was done in a very old school way of how to look for deals, which is, I still think the two best ways I've ever found are, are sending people postcards and then driving around looking for deals. Um, and that's that's something that there's been tons of technology on finding deals. There's been all these automated ways of doing this and that and this and that. And for me, that stuff has never worked as well. As it won't work. It, it, in real estate, it won't. And, yeah. and because it comes down to the best deals are going to be the people that haven't decided to sell yet. They're on the fence and nobody knows that they want to sell. Yeah. So there is no way for this technology to get that information, right? Yeah. That's called yeah. human intelligence. Yes. What you're doing when you're sending out postcards and you're driving around is you're trying to obtain human intelligence. Yeah. If you see a sign, you're actually going to not, if you see a for sale by owner sign, you're going to knock on the door. Yeah. When you send a postcard, it may be a person that you just caught them at the right time where they need to liquidate assets because something has happened in their life. Maybe they're retiring, maybe they're moving to another country, but they want to liquidate an asset and they want to do it quickly and they want to yes. do it all cash. Um, so yeah, human gathering that human intelligence. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see how technology will ever be able to do that. It'll, it'll I, never be able to do yeah. that. I don't think so. I mean, it, it may happen in other businesses, but that's one thing I really like about real estate is that, um, and it's funny because you know Zillow was trying to to like flip houses. It was like this big thing, and people were like, oh man, because you've got Open Door and now you've got Zillow and. They're going to start making offers on homes, and this is going to People be. People were worried thing. about Zillow. Do you remember that? And that just goes to show you yeah. how sometimes you can be worried about something when there's nothing to be. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I remember everybody saying it's over for the invest for the little yeah. guy. The yeah. little investors are going to be just squeezed out because Zillow is going to have so much money, and yeah. they can make better offers, and yeah. they have already um, their finger to the pulse on all yeah. the homes that are being sold. Yeah. Well, what happened? Yeah. What happened? They they had they shut the whole thing down. They had to fire thousands of employees, and they lost, I think, tens of millions of dollars because they overpaid for things. Because this idea that you're going to take something that's very local and specialized, like real estate, and do it on this national level and be successful, and like it skims over the reality that everybody who lives anywhere knows, which is no matter where you live. There's going to be like, oh, that corner's, eh, that's not so great. Okay, this part of the street's really nice. The next street over, eh, not as good. Um, that's the reality for everywhere. So this idea that you're just going to come in in mass and just kind of swoop in and do all this stuff, it just doesn't work that way. It just never has. And it was, you know, it was interesting to see something like that. And I'll throw it to another world that we're in, which is the world of like MMA gyms and things like that, because about ten years ago. A lot of the people doing MMA gym seminars and teaching about how to run gyms, I remember this because I went to one of these, they were talking about how the UFC was getting into the gym business. They're going to have UFC gyms. And they're like, so if you're trying to be the most affordable place and, you know, all that kind of, you know, winning by having a low price, you've got this multi-billion dollar company that's coming in with MMA gyms they can lower the price because they can afford to lose money for a while to capture the market. So if that's your strategy, you're in trouble. And a lot of people were worried about like about these gyms coming. And there was one right down the street from me that was in town and all that stuff. And sure enough, I, I've watched sort of one by one, these gyms disappear. The one down the street from me disappeared. The one by my goddaughters that was right across the Starbucks that I would get when I would leave, that thing disappeared. Like, 
they, they came and went because again, be it an MMA gym, be it a you know house flipping business, be it custom kimonos, whatever it might be, that human element is so much more important than we think. And as soon as people start talking about just strictly numbers, I think they're they're naive in thinking that that's the only part of the story because numbers yeah. they tell you some of the story, but they don't tell you all the story. And again, you talked about experience. I think that's you only learn that through experience. Because you know, when I started off investing, one of the first things I bought was a duplex on High Creek off of Springdale. I say this to Mo because Mo in a secret life, in a past life, knows this area that I'm talking about, knows <laughs> that this is still to this day is not a very good area in Austin. But the numbers look good. And I didn't live in Austin at the time. And I was just looking at the numbers and thinking, okay, I, this would cost me five times as much in LA and it would bring in just a hundred bucks more. And this thing's bringing in all this money. This looks like a good deal. I'm going to do it. And I lost, I don't know, 30 grand on that property after owning it for like 10 years. It never was a good deal uh, because the numbers didn't tell the whole story. I had to drive through it and feel it and kind of understand and, and sort of build on that, on yeah. that skill set. Sometimes, you know, that's a good... Sometimes the numbers do lie, right? Sometimes the number, because they yeah. don't tell the whole truth. Yes. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a human element to these things where if you but look at this. It's very unique though, yeah. in terms of that human element. It is. Even more so, I'll give you an example. Like if you're a, a clothing line, like Louis Vuitton, yeah. mm -hmm. I really do believe with AI and the algorithms and things like that and everything that's going on because people are, are you know, sort of like, Sort of like a cyborg now, right? Like you're yeah. you're you're attached to this phone, and Google and everything is is able to study the in, Amazon is able to study the interests yeah. of what people want, right? Yeah. And then I can direct ads, or Louis Vuitton can direct ads to to really um, to that to that consumer, knowing what they want. Well, let, let me ask you this though. I I've got yeah. a question for you on that because I think about this a lot um, with clothing specifically. Have you ordered stuff before and you put it on and you look in the mirror and you're like, nah, and you just return it? Rarely. Really? Because I do it all the time. Like to yeah. me, it's it's like I to me when I put on something, it's either a yes or a no right away. Yeah. And there have been so many things that I've been targeted through social media or whatever, and I and I finally I relent. I'm like, okay, you've yes. won me over with your clever advertising. And very rarely do I end up keeping it. Because a lot of well, times, but, 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 for, that's, but see, that's a fashion thing, though, right? Like for me, I know Mo knows what Mo likes. You're so a fashion. I, like, I can, I'm pretty confident what I, when I order something, like I already know that this is gonna work for me. I like. And it see, usually yeah. does. Very rarely. I mean, the only time I, I will I'll exchange something is if it doesn't fit right. But I'll yeah. usually just send it back to get a different size. Yeah. 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 That fit is a big thing. I mean, for me too. And then, cause I was thinking about with that, that cool, um, what's it called? Quick flip rain jacket that I was wearing yesterday, the Henry mm -hmm. Gracie quick flip. And that thing, I ordered it. I waited forever because it was never available. So it was like they, they were, they were getting me with the, the scarcity. And then finally I ordered it and I ordered a large, got it. Thing was too big. And I'm like, Oh man, ordered the medium. So man, by the time that thing came, I was so excited to wear it. <laughs> and I think it is pretty nice. I think it fits good. And I do like the little- It looked really nice, yeah. And it was really cool. I got a yeah, demonstration cool. yesterday, yeah. So- um, And you were away when it was raining yesterday. It was perfect. I, 
I know. I was, I was very excited that it was raining. I'm like, I'm going to wear my quick flip. I wore it one time to Reed's and I did it, did the thing. And I'm like flipping it into the, the backpack. And he's just like, that's stupid or whatever. And just, <laughs> he was unimpressed. But, um, but like but with yeah. real estate, right? There's no way to know, like, because like I said, the people are keeping that information to themselves. Your best deals in real estate are yes. deals. And that's why, you know, we were discussing the other day about, you know, what's a pocket listing and things like yeah. that, because yeah. these are the deals that nobody else really knows about, yeah. um, which often means, so this is why marketing is so important. Yeah. Marketing is, is, is huge. Yeah. You can have the cure for cancer. We've said this so many times. You can have the cure for cancer. Yeah. Nobody's going to buy it if yeah. they don't know it exists. Yes. Right. And yeah. so you could have this asset that is so valuable, Yeah. but if you're not marketing it correctly, yeah. nobody's going to buy it. And guess yeah. what? you're sitting there with this asset and you start to second guess yourself. You start to say to yourself, why isn't this thing selling? Yeah. Maybe it's not worth as much as I think it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. So then somebody like Mo and Carter comes along and we make you this uh, offer that's undervalued, right? Yeah. Because you're never gonna buy something market price. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't, you should, you should make your money when you buy the investment. And you're like, hey, I've been waiting this long. I don't wanna wait any longer. I want the yeah. money now and I wanna move on. So boom, but yeah. then it's even better when you have the experience that I don't have, but, it, but Carter does have that. Not only do you buy something undervalued because it wasn't marketed correctly. And so you didn't get a lot of people showing interest. Yeah. But then on top of that, you have someone that has been through so many deals that he yeah. has an eye for like, Hey, if I just change the paint here, if I just put new countertops here, yeah. if I just redo the flooring here, which is insignificant in terms of the overall price of the asset. Yes. You can astronomically change. Yeah. You know what this asset is worth. Yeah, because you change the you change the visual factor in something like that because, with um, you know, people think that they there there's something that I have heard people say and I think this is true that people make decisions emotionally, and then they back them up rationally after they've made them. For the most people, think, yeah, most people think that they make these <laughs> rational decisions, but they rarely do. They rationalize the decisions they've already made. Um, what is it? Don't make the right choice. Make the choice right. Something like that. So with with something like an office or whatever, especially nowadays, because it's it's an asset class that people are nervous about buying because a lot of people are working from home still because of COVID. But when you think about it, for an office, there are some things you can't do online. You can't go to the dentist online. You can't, you can do some online medicine, but eventually you got to go to the doctor. Um, lawyers' offices, title companies, things that I deal with a lot, you go to them in person still. They're still a very person to person business. So because of that, people want to work somewhere where they feel good about where they're working physically as well. So when you have an office that's got nice high ceilings, it looks sort of clean and bright and it's got a good energy towards it. That matters. It does. Because if you have something that's dingy and dirty or whatever, you're asking your potential buyer or tenant to take multiple steps in their imagination before they agree to it. Some Versus, people don't have that vision. They don't have that vision. But if you make something nice and clean, you whiten up stuff, you make it good flooring that kind of flows well with everything and it looks modern, it looks nice. Now they can be like, okay, we can put our stuff here, we can do this. They start mentally moving their stuff in versus if you have to make them think okay i've got to do this this and this and this to the place first 
and then it's going to be there. You're asking too much. You're asking for a tenant or a buyer to have imagination and vision. And because of that, you're, you're passing up a lot of potential buyers and tenants. It's kind of like the way when I used to learn jujitsu, when they would just used to beat the crap out of you. And a lot of people would quit. I was just talking to a buddy of mine yesterday who quit jujitsu 26 years ago and never went back because they beat the crap out of him the first time. He probably would have been very good at jujitsu. And there's probably a lot of guys out there like him who would have been very good at jujitsu, but because the way they did it back then, they beat the crap out of you. Very few people stuck with it. So I think that, you know, because you're asking too much, you're asking somebody to be super tough, super this, super that, and see all the benefits of something through all the pain and all the, you know, the abuse. Well, that's asking a lot. That's asking more than most people can give, but it doesn't mean they wouldn't have been good at it had it been presented in a more palatable way. Same thing with this office. If you present it in a more palatable way that gets in front of more potential eyeballs that are actually looking, I think if I just did that alone, just did the flooring, the painting, a couple of little things and marketed correctly, I think already I can make a good chunk of change on this thing. Such if I an get, important so, concept of, well, I, I think right off the bat, I think right when you buy this investment, you you even if you did nothing, You'd yeah. probably be able to turn around with just the right marketing yep. because you'll have you'll have that property in front of more eyeballs. Exactly. But you were talking exactly. about something the other day, and I thought it was real interesting. And I, I wanted you to kind of discuss it a little bit today about stacking skill sets. Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? So I got this from uh, Scott Adams, who I really like. I recommend his podcast quite a bit and his books. And it's basically about the idea of building up skills that work well with each other. And this is a good example of something where you're building up the skill set of driving for dollars. And what driving for dollars really is, is driving around and seeing something that's out of place. It might be seeing a house that looks abandoned. It might be seeing a for sale by owner sign where you, you look it up online and you can't find it anywhere online. Um, it might be this office building where I literally couldn't find it for sale online either, but I found the sign. So you, you're looking for something that might be marketed incorrectly or you're looking for maybe a rundown house in a nice neighborhood, anything like that. That's a skill set. The skill set of knowing what things cost from a construction point of view. Not that you have to be super handy, but you have to know like what is nice guy painting is going to charge me to to paint this house per square foot or per square yard or whatever it might be. You know, however they measure out these things. Having a good idea of what things cost. That's a skill set to build up. Marketing, knowing okay. This should be marketed here, here, and here. We should get this person to take pictures of these things because it visually has the most impact. That's another skill set. Um, you know, it could be if you really want to be more known as a, a personality in that business, then learning how to speak well is a skill set that works well. Learning social media marketing, learning video editing, learning how to do things in a way that, that work well with how people are looking at things at the time, that's another skill set. So the more of these you stack together that can work well in unison, the more valuable you are and the more money you're going to make. So what I mean by all that is that I think I'm going to make a good amount of money on this deal because of the skill sets I've developed from flipping mobile homes and flipping homes, um, from the relationships I build up with brokers, uh, from the relationships I build up with contractors. And my understanding of how to sell things, not that I necessarily am going to sell this on my own, but understanding how things need to be marketed, understanding how real estate photography needs to work, 
all these different skill sets that I have, it's just brought to a deal that's a little bit more expensive than the deals I was doing in the past. Um, and because of that, and because the value add on commercial property tends to be higher, theoretically, and I think relatively realistically, I should be able to make a lot more money on a deal like this than I could on a house or a mobile home or anything like that. So it's taking the skill sets I have, putting them in, new, in a new arena, and hopefully being able to just sort of do this to snowball and increase my net worth and and kind of go bigger and farther than I've been able to go until now. So I love it. And stacking skill sets doesn't have to be necessarily going into a new arena. No, no. It can just be so. building off what's existing. And I, and I mean, talk to me a little bit about how that might apply to jujitsu, because I think it does. I mean, yeah. I know in my head how, how yeah. it's already worked out for me sure. being able to stout, stack skill sets. But how do you think a person could, could use that in jujitsu? So I think that, um, you know, there's the, uh, you know, jack of all trades or master of none type of thing. And, and when you learn something like jujitsu, jujitsu especially seems to be enamored with like the, the volume of techniques. And I think that enamoration has only gotten worse over the last couple of years because everybody is putting out instructional videos now. So there's just probably millions of hours of footage now available online where you can see different techniques and things like that. And the problem is when you watch people at the highest level of any sport, but especially combat sports, they usually have a handful of techniques that they're very proficient on that they use in most of their competitions, their matches, their fights. Um, we've talked about judo and how most judo players have one main throw and usually two or three auxiliary throws that they use. They may be able to teach you 20 or 30 or 40 throws, and, and judo has sort of a set of throws that you need to show in order to get promoted and stuff like that. But if you watch guys compete, when they're competing like for real, they usually have one, maybe two main throws and two or three auxiliaries. So it's basically about four throws that they really have mastered. Um, with jiu-jitsu, I mean, that's, that's kind of the same idea. There's people, they usually have one or two good takedowns. They usually have a few of different techniques in different positions. So how this applies with skill sets and stacking skill sets is that most of the time, I think it's better to figure out more ways to set up and get into your strong positions and strong techniques than it is just to add technique after technique. Because you, you really have limit, especially the people that we're talking to, that are middle-aged people that are running their own businesses and stuff like that. You're, you're short on time already. It's better to get better at the things you're already good at and figure out more ways to get there than it is to just throw more things and more things and try and do more techniques and stuff like that. That's kind of like the, the jujitsu midlife crisis, basically. It's like, it's better to, you know, if you've got a good sweep, it's better to figure out a few more entries into that good sweep than it is to add a ton new sweeps. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's, that's what I would say with that is it's just really, um, just figuring out how to enhance what you're already doing, assuming you're at a certain level. I mean, obviously like white belt, it's kind of like we say with, with starting a business, you're going to have to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. You're going to be taught a bunch, bunch of different things. And there's going to be a few things that just click for whatever reason they just click. That's what you're going to build around and you're going to figure out how to get there more and more. And for most people that you're going to see, um, you know, because I've been able to see Coach Mo here from white pretty soon to, to black. And I, there's a lot of people that I've seen from go from white to black now. 
their game doesn't change that much after probably blue belt level. Like there's things that they're already good at and then they just figure out more and more ways to get there. They figure out the shortcomings of, of whatever style they have because every style has shortcomings and how to deal with that. And that's what they do. I mean, that's that's kind of how it works. So I think in business, kind of the same thing. You find something that that works well with your personality. Um, you know, what, you know in, in real estate, for me, it was always just, it's always been exciting to look at real estate and see the possibilities from a development point of view that kind of takes it to an even further step. Cause now you could see literally nothing, but see what it could become and figuring out how to get there in a way that makes you and everybody who's involved in the deal money. That's real estate. You know, that's, that's, that's what I do. And for me, it's just a matter of now, how do I do this bigger? so that I can make more money, so that I can help more people along the way, so that I can, I don't know, start a jujitsu stadium one day. I have no idea. I don't know what, like, there's no, help there's no people. I thought yeah. we were going to go out and buy Lambos. <laughs> I guess we could do that too. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's, just, it's been interesting because it was, it was really a, a, like, I showed all the stuff to Chantel and it was the one I was the most excited about because I'm like, this is the one that I found on my own. Even though another one that I found, I think I was presented the deal before it went on the market. And I'm like, that's also a way of finding them. That's a great way to do it as well. Once you develop those relationships, people know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. People you might be involved with in other deals. That has a good snowballing effect as well. But it was still nice to be like, I found this one. I found this. This is good. So, uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I should know pretty soon on both of them. I made offers on another deal too. So I should know on both by, by midweek coming up and I should hopefully be done the warehouses in the next two weeks. So I love it. I love it's it. exciting, man. Yeah. Don't just rely on the numbers, develop the human intelligence, develop yeah. the relationships yeah. and continue to stack skill sets around stack the things set. that you're already very good at. Yeah. Keep building. I, I agree. Build on success. Yeah. I love it. This episode is in the books. To yes. re-listen to this episode or to check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. We make custom geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out. Check out Calum Callista, Sneaky Submissions, Steve Hordensky, Jiu-Jitsu on the go. And if you're in the Austin area, check out Chaparral Moving. They have moving down to a science. I am Mo. That's my brother Carter. And as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Robles newsletter to get the exclusive content at robles.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.